Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. Today, we have another victory pod as the Cleveland Browns completed a stunning comeback victory over the Baltimore Ravens, 33-31. to As always, I'm not able to do this by myself, so I have Jackson McCurry alongside with me tonight. Jack, man, how we doing? How we feeling? I'm doing well, man. Uh, tired. Cause it was a long day yesterday. Um, for those that see me on social media, they know I went to the Buffalo bills, uh, Denver Broncos Monday night game, which was another thrilling game, much like Sunday was, but I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's always great. Um, when the Browns can beat uh division rival, especially Baltimore grit with the history and everything, but the way it went down on Sunday, I still can't believe it happened. Like I am still in shock that the Browns were able to pull off that comeback because early on it just did not look like it was going to be our day for sure. Yeah, this is maybe one of the uh, more entertaining games that the Browns have won uh, that I could remember. Like, just the being down big early and then, you know, roaring all the way back and coming back and kicking the field goal as time expired. I think this is one of the more fun ones that I can remember, especially the the meaning behind it because now – the Browns are sitting at six and three, uh, just a half game out of first place. And if, uh, assuming my math is correct, I haven't seen it anywhere to verify it, but assuming uh, the Bengals beat Baltimore on Thursday night, then the game this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers will be for first place in the division. And if I would have told you before the season, the the Browns have a shot to be in first place after. 10 games with not having Deshaun for what, three games, four games. I, I would say they're in a pretty uh, darn good uh, spot where they currently sit right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, they right now they control their destiny the rest of the way. They're six and three. The, the battle for the wild card spots is so incredibly tight now with you got two teams, five and four. Uh, you got, three teams five and five and then three teams four and five and the titans still have a have a chance they're three and six the patriots still technically have a chance at two and eight but you look at those those teams that have five wins or four wins right like it is so tight and crucial but then the browns beating baltimore like you said gives them right back in the division race uh and then you kind of hope that cincinnati pulls it out uh they haven't played very well uh, this season when playing the AFC. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of key factors in that with injuries and everything, but if they can somehow beat Baltimore, and then, like you said, if Cleveland beats Pittsburgh, then the Browns are sitting at first place in the North, which is unbelievable because I don't know when the last time they were in first place uh, this close towards the end of November, December, 2020, they may have, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, we, We've talked about it so much. The media has talked about it for so long. Anthony, you and I have never seen the Browns win a division championship in our lifetime. It was 1989 was the last time. Um, that's, I think, the longest drought between division titles for any NFL team. So the Browns are in a spot where we have never seen this before. Obviously, there's still a lot of football left to be played in the regular season, but you can kind of start talking about it a little more now. An AFC North championship is still alive and well for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and I think if they go out there and take care of business on Sunday against Pittsburgh, you know, you'll have you'll have to feel really good about that. And, you know, in terms of the wild card, 
they're right about controlling their own destiny because you look at uh, some of the teams you know, in the middle of the pack here, the Houston Texans, they play um, in the Los Angeles. Oh, you know, we don't play the Chargers. Excuse me. Um, we beat, we, we played the Colts already and beat them. So that's key. Yep. Uh, we play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so, you know, we that play had, the Broncos and we play the Jets. Yep. So on the stretch, so, all these yeah. teams in the middle of the pack, we still play. Um, that that could be huge in terms of you know final seating and um, you know Philly and uh, Kansas City play on Sunday and it could be a possibility where um, you know we could be just like a half game out of the number one seed after Sunday so or they play on Monday night so after Monday night we could be just yeah. like a half game out uh, they would still have us on on conference record uh, barely but um, it. it it could be fun. It could be interesting. I think it's going to, um, you know, this defense, and we'll talk about it, is just going to give the Browns a chance in every single game. Uh, but where it starts is going to be the offense, and that's what we're starting uh, recapping this game because two plays into the game, Jack, much like the Pittsburgh game uh, early in the season, Deshaun Watson threw a pick six on a ball that was tipped up in the air by Kyle Hamilton. Uh, he... Uh, was able to grab it and literally walked into the end zone. Um, and the Browns found themselves down uh, 7 nothing in the first minute. And they did not take the lead until the game-winning field goal. But, you know, uh, this is twice now that it's happened within the first minute that, you know, a, a rough INT, the one against Pittsburgh, was another ball that was batted up in the air. I think it was hit twice, actually, uh, before it was uh, picked off. But, um, you know, you couldn't ask for more of a, a worse start uh, for the Browns than, you know, that, that pick six to start the game. Yeah, it was just like deja vu all over again. I think it might even been the same kind of play call. It was uh, intended for Najoku. It was just like a simple out move to the left for Najoku. And Kyle Hamilton and the the bank, uh, not the Bengals, the Ravens defense sniffed it out and made an incredible play. Like, you know, there's so many talented players on that Ravens defense from, from time to bottom. And, you know, Hamilton made a great play. And like you said, he literally just had to walk it in those last like four or five yards. So yeah, it was a disastrous start and it, it just, it, it crept in my mind. I was just like, man, is this going to be like the Pittsburgh game where it's just going to be, it's going to be a bad performance out of Watson in this offense. And it just seemed like doom and gloom from the start. Now, obviously we know what happened at the end, but yeah, it was a bad feeling, especially during like those first five minutes of the game. Cause I'm sure we'll get to the next uh, big play the Ravens made, but yeah, it was a disastrous start for the Browns. And you just, we were so thankful that they were able to regroup and recollect themselves after such a uh, disastrous beginning of the game. Yeah, you know, after that, the Browns uh, got the ball back four plays and punted the ball uh, back to the Ravens, who went five plays and 79 yards, including a 39-yard touchdown from Keaton Mitchell. Um, you know, found themselves in a 14-0 hole very quickly. The Browns came back at a field goal. Uh, they traded field goals with Baltimore down 17-3 uh, to at that point. Uh, they traded punts before the Browns got another field goal. And I think this is where the, the momentum really started to change, Jack. The the Ravens uh, went 39 yards and attempted a field goal, but the, the Browns were able to block it. Browns go down, get a field goal, and then right before the half, 
Um, the um, the Ravens uh, threw an interception. Lamar threw an interception, which allowed the Browns to get the ball back. And, um, you know, Watson got hurt towards the end of that drive, and P.J. Walker actually came in to attempt the Hail Mary at the end of the half, and it was, you know, short of the goal line. But I think the, the momentum shift there after that block field goal and going into the second half was huge after that point. Yeah, it was really weird. Like, they go up 17 to 3, I think, at that point. And before that, the Ravens went away from Keaton Mitchell. And he, and you mentioned he had the big touchdown. And I thought that was really weird. Like, in the second quarter, I don't think Keaton Mitchell got the ball the rest of the game. And he's been so electric. Uh, the game against Seattle where he carved up the Seahawks defense, and then he has that big touchdown on the uh, second drive for the Ravens. And they didn't go with him. They kept running the ball with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, not to take away from them two because they've been so good, but Mitchell's been so electric. He's got four, three speed. He's been so elusive with the ball when he's finally starting to get an opportunity and they went away from it. And I just thought that was so weird. It was reminiscent of the sugar bowl, Ohio state against Bama when Derrick Henry was running over the Buckeye defense and then Saban. And I think it was Lane Kiffin was the play caller at the time went away from it. So that was really weird to me, well, but you're uh, right. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say he did have that hamstring injury that popped up was that Friday. And yeah. you have to wonder, because after that 39 yard run, he had two carries for minus five yards. So I wonder if that maybe sprung up on him there. And, and that was the reason why. It is definitely possible. I haven't seen anything to suggest it, but you're, you're right. Because it did come up, I think Thursday or Friday that he did have the hamstring injury. So he was questionable coming into the game, but I thought it was very interesting that they did go away from him when he, before those two negative runs, he was getting uh, some good plays on our defense. But uh, to go back to your uh, point, you made it from before I started talking was about the block punt. And I do agree. Uh, the Browns defense was starting to get it together. They were getting after uh, Lamar blitzing him, creating pressure. Um, but yeah, that blocked field goal, uh, Jordan Elliott credit goes to him. He, he's the one that, you know, put the hand up and they made the big play. And then Anthony Walker had a solid return, got the Browns into field goal range. Um, and then you mentioned the interception towards the end of the first half, Mike Ford, you know, coming in, uh, obviously getting some time because Newsom was dealing with a hamstring injury as well. But uh, that was when the momentum really started to change. The special teams play, and then the defense started to build some momentum, creating turnovers, getting after Lamar. That kind of set the tone for the rest of the, the game for sure into the second half. Yeah, right before that interception, the play before, Mike Ford had that massive hit on Lamar on the sidelines. And, you know, it was very bang-bang of whether or not that – you know, could have been called the penalty nine times out of 10 with it being a quarterback. Um, they probably called that, but with Lamar with as much as he runs, uh, I don't know if he gets as much uh, benefit of the doubt uh, with that, but yeah, he uh, hit Lamar and had that interception uh, right after that. And that was huge, uh, you know, at the end of the half there and you go into the second half, you have Deshaun Watson who, you know, was dealing with that ankle injury. I'm not sure if he got taped up at, uh, halftime whatnot uh he did have an mri yesterday uh mary Kay said today that uh he expects to play this sunday against pittsburgh and be ready to go so he comes out in the second half jack and he was absolutely perfect he was 14 of 14 
I can't remember the total yards, but I want to say it was around like 144 yards uh, in the second half uh, around there. And you saw, you know, some of those old flashes. And even with his the the uh, plays he made running the ball too, it was uh, you know, very reminiscent of, you know, what we're uh, expectant, uh, expecting to see of Deshaun. So um, he had a huge second half, and I would definitely say that he was the catalyst behind this whole – uh, Brown's comeback uh, that they had on Sunday. Yeah, it was crazy because, you know, Baltimore comes out and goes right down the field. Odell Beckham untouched goes 40 yards for a touchdown. Um, I think it was broken coverage by Delpit or I think it was either him or Thornhill. I can't remember for sure, but uh, yeah, Deshaun, you know, there was a little uh, doubt during the half during halftime, if he was going to be able to get back out there and play, I know at one point one of the media people said Walker was warming up, but then Watson came out and uh, he played. He I would assume he got taped up because uh, I think there's kind of worry that there's an ankle sprain. Obviously, we'll know more later in the week, but yeah, he goes out there and gutted it out and was absolutely flawless. Like you said, whether it was running the ball, throwing the ball, obviously he did not have an incomplete pass. He went 14 of 14 for 134 yards. So you were close with the with the yardage, but. Yeah, he was absolutely flawless. Credit goes to everybody around him, the offensive line. Uh, they gutted it out as well with the injuries they uh, came into the game with. Um, but yeah, Watson, you know, it was the the flashes of what he what he was in Houston. You know, he's building that chemistry with Amari Cooper, David Njoku, Elijah Moore finally broke out and had a good game. It, it was nice to see the old Watson. Uh, the last three full games he's played in, he's been really good for the Browns. Uh, they're averaging 20, I think it's 29 points a game when he's the full-time starting quarterback the last three games. So you're, you're starting to get some hope that he's finally starting to turn the corner and getting, getting everything back on track with his career on the field. Uh, but it was good to see him come out there, gut it out with an injury because, you know, a lot of people uh, had words to say about the shoulder injury and whether or not he was, it was a serious injury or whether he was faking it, but to see him go out and do what he did in that second half to lead the Browns to that comeback win, it was it was really good to see uh, out of Deshaun. Yeah, and you know, we we still thought you know in the second half of the game because um, you know Ravens go down the field, scored a touchdown to start the second half. The Browns answered with a seventeen play, seventy five yard touchdown drive that took ten minutes and nine seconds off of the clock, and you know. We're used to seeing those drives against us, but they were so methodical on that drive, and it ended with uh, Kareem Hunt, a touchdown run that he has had a touchdown now in five consecutive games, uh, which is the longest streak after uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, didn't have a touchdown on Sunday. Uh, he, I want to say he was at 16 uh, consecutive games. So um, the Browns were able to answer in a big way after that to make it 24-17, to 17. And then they stopped the Ravens uh, and forced them to go three and out and punt. But then uh, Prochet uh, dropped the punt, and the Ravens got the ball uh, on the 12-yard line of the Browns. And, Jack, we thought, you know, all right, it's over now. You know, there's so many errors that they had, uh, you know, throughout the game, and this was just uh, the tip of the iceberg on it. And uh, the Ravens eventually scored a touchdown after – the Browns' defense was extremely stifling uh, and a very questionable 
uh, illegal contact uh, call that you know kept the drive alive for them. But uh, the Ravens ended up getting a touchdown there to make it 31-17. The Browns answered again. Uh, they went six plays and 75 yards. Uh, that was the touchdown um, to uh, Elijah Moore uh, from 10 yards out, uh, which kind of could have been an option either way for Deshaun with how that play kind of unfolded. He could have probably ran it in, but he was able to find he was able to find Elijah Moore there. And then the Browns were able to answer with a defensive touchdown on their own on uh, the second play of the next drive. A uh, ball uh, gets bad up in the air, and Greg Newsome, his first career interception, returns it to the house uh, for the touchdown, 34 yards. And then we miss the extra point <laughs> yeah. to, to, to be down one. We're like, all oh, right, here we go. You know, just the uh, air on top of air after air today. Uh, the Browns, uh, after that, forced another punt from the Ravens. Um, and then, you know, go down and take the final 455 off the clock and kick the game-winning field goal as time expires. And I'll tell you what, Jack, um, I was talking to somebody uh, today about uh, the game, and it's kind of almost maybe a blessing that Hopkins missed the extra point because it gave the Ravens, like, probably no sense of urgency to, like, go down and, like, score a touchdown or they were probably more so worried about, all right, let's run the ball. Let's try to run out the clock and everything. And, you know, um, let's try to get to that point of the game. But um, the because the, the Browns were down by one, they got the ball back. And thankfully, they were able to hold on for that final 455. Um, great clock management uh, to get to that point, to be able to kick the game-winning field goal with no time left on the clock. And the Browns are 6-3. and three. Yeah, I mean, just to go back, like when you said that, you know, the whole when Prochet muffed the punt, then, you know, Baltimore scores were down two touchdowns. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe just maybe today's not the day. And then, you know, Watson gets sacked by Matabike. And then he hits Cooper, big play, and then hits Najoku for a big play. He tries to get Tillman, and it's a pass interference. And then he finds Elijah Moore, like you said, on that. I think it was an RPO. And he, like you said, he could have ran it in, but he he found Elijah Moore, got him in the end zone for the first time. So that was great. Then the pick six, it was kind of similar to the whole Seattle game where it was a deflected ball or like the earlier play with Kyle Hamilton. And lo and behold, Greg Newsome wears number zero and people, you know, made fun of him during the offseason for switching to that number for saying, oh, that's the amount of, career interceptions the guy has and lo and behold his first career interception was a legendary one gets us right back in the game down by one and then Hopkins missed the extra point I looked at my girlfriends we were watching the game together and I was like well if they get the ball back I said I said we're either gonna lose by a point or it's gonna be it's gonna be a missed field goal or something and lo and behold our defense you know made big plays and we got the ball back and that that last drive was amazing it was like you know you couldn't ask for better like Najoku had an unbelievable uh catch and run you know you know dragging a defender with him he won the uh angry runs award for this week on good morning football was unbelievable play but the play that always sticks out to me on that final drive Anthony was the 12-yard run by Jerome Ford which 
goes in part to the entire offensive line, Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman. I don't remember if Amari Cooper was in there enough. I watched it enough plays to remember um, the tight ends were involved too, but it was a team effort. They, they pushed the pile and it, it was, it made me think of all the times where the Browns just got bullied over these last 25 years by the Ravens and the Steelers. And it's finally, the Browns finally have just decided under the direction of Jim Schwartz that we're tired of being the being bullied. We're going to be do the bullying. And the fact that they outmuscled the Ravens defense and was able to get Jerome Ford cross past the first down line and into range for um, Dustin Hopkins. Like that's, that's the play of the game for me. If I had to pick one game or one play out of this whole game that defines this year's Cleveland Browns, it's that 12 yard run by Jerome Ford and the offensive line, which had two right, ta- two backup tackles in there. Jer- Joel Batonio, who's still recovering from getting his knee scoped and, you know, the rest of the crew showing what Cleveland Browns football is all about. I think that's the one play that'll stick out in my mind. It might be one of the best plays of the Browns the entire season for sure. Yeah, the, the Browns went in there and bullied the Ravens in their own house right in front of their wife and kids. Uh, to, yes. As, as a good callback. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if you've seen it, Anthony, but Kareem Hunt did not forget. And he, no, he did not the receipts on Instagram Live after the game. <laughs> that... All those Instagram lives, his, uh, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Oh my God. Uh, it was Amari so much Cooper, fun to watch. Amari Cooper, who has as much personality as Nick Chubb, uh, in the locker room, dancing and just celebrating. I mean, that, that just goes to show you that these guys really do care about the Cleveland Browns and wanting to, you know, bring a winner back to this city, seeing these guys go out there and just having a good time and straight partying and, just celebrating a victory like that. I mean, I think that means a lot and it just shows what, how much this team absolutely cares. Well, yeah, I, I think there, there's a, there's another point too there too, is that Jack, this really seems like a, a team, like, you know, this isn't just like the defense is really good. You know, the offense does what it does this for, for once. And I don't know if we've ever seen it, but this seems like a full uh, team effort uh, from, you know, top down and, you know, credit to Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry for, for building that. And I, I think uh, Swartz uh, also has a hand in it. But it, it just seems like to me that through all the adversity that this team has faced this year, all of the injuries, you know, you could rattle off all of them. You know, Conklin, Nick Chubb, uh, Deshaun being out for those games. Uh, Jed. Jed Wills, Dewan Jones now, you know. Um, it, it's just been a, even with those guys out, everybody has played hard. Everybody's been able to do their job and it just has been a full team effort. And this was a team victory, uh, a team come from behind victory on Sunday, um, with the Browns. And we've never really seen that. And I think it's going to go a long way in determining how the rest of the season plays out. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think we've seen it in flashes since Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry came. Obviously, there was, you know, there was controversies along the way. And but you're right. This team feels so much different. I mean, they all seem to really love one one another, support one another. I mean, you see Deshaun, one of his pictures on his latest Instagram post is just Duskin Hopkins chin up in the air with a big smile on his face like, 
saying Dustin Hopkins is that dude and seeing those guys uh, surround him after the game, like Anthony Walker and Taki Taki and everybody like dapping Dustin Hopkins up, like they all believed in him. And I don't remember if it was you or somebody said that Dustin Hopkins missed that extra point And like miles Garrett consoled him and was like, I think he said something to him. And I think it was probably along the lines, like we're going to give you an upper, another opportunity to, to right the wrong for the missed extra point. So yeah, this team, like, there's there's no more finger pointing or anything. There's no more arguing in the locker room. You remember the, last year in Baltimore, there was the big locker room fight uh, that the media had said, like they could hear stuff in the media room coming from the locker room. And there was a big argument of words and everything. So this is not the quote unquote, this is not the same old Browns. Like it's really different. Like I think the culture has definitely changed. I think Jim Schwartz really nipped a lot of crap in the butt that happened during the, when Joe Woods was defensive coordinator, but you're right. It's definitely a different team. I think, you know, it's taken a while to set the tone, set the culture that Stefanski and Barry finally wanted to set in 2020. It's taken four years, but I think it's finally here. Yeah. And, and it's, it's phenomenal to see. And, you know, uh, the way the rest of the season is going to shake out, you got some, you know, obviously some tough games down down the road here uh, as as the season wraps up over the last eight games. And they're in a really good spot, you know, to make the playoffs and, and potentially make some noise with, you know, whoever they could play in the first round there. Um, you know, maybe the second round. We'll see with the, the, the number one seed being in reach at the moment with where they currently sit. So that's unbelievable. By I, the, way. I, I, the, I, I the fact that you're bringing it up 10 games in that the Browns are – essentially one and a half games out of the one seed in the AFC. If things sway the right way this week, like that's, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it'll it's hopefully starts with the, um, a Bengals win on Thursday and maybe we could be in first place after, after that. But, um, you know, to, to be at this spot currently is, is, is special. And I, I think, uh, with where they are, the rest of the season is just going to be a fun ride and, you know, we're just going to have to sit down and enjoy it. There you go, Alex. Um, <laughs> and enjoy the rest of the ride uh, for for the rest of the season here because it's, it's going to be fun. And we do have a very big game uh, this Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know that place uh, down there in Cleveland is going to be extremely loud. I cannot wait for it. Uh, but uh, I, I know it doesn't have to be said to, you know, get get your butts in your seats early and be ready to roll at one o'clock because if that game is for first place in the division, that's going to be a special atmosphere, especially against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, without question, and it it's amazing that Pittsburgh is the same record as us, is six and three. Because if you watch some of their football, it's been atrocious especially on that offensive side i mean you look right now they're 26 in scoring offense but they're 11th in scoring defense and that's always been the steelers bread and butter is their defense we know what they're going to do what they can do what they will do on sunday we've seen it in week two uh the way that they won that game because it wasn't because of their offense by any means it was because their defense made two big plays um forcing turnovers on deshaun watson but yeah, you're right, Anthony. Brown Stadium is going to be rocking on Sunday, especially if it's for first place in the division. Um, 
JW Johnson teased that they're to get in your seats early Sunday. So it seems like there's going to be a surprise of some sorts. I know some people were hoping it was going to be Nick Chubb, but uh, as we know, he underwent successful ACL surgery today. Um, I have a feeling, Anthony, it might be the return of Jim Donovan. I don't know if it's going to be yet because I've heard from some other people that he might not be back this year, but it would not shock me if he was like the dog pound captain or something on Sunday, which even if it wasn't Nick Chubb, if it's Jim Donovan, if he comes out there to smash that guitar, that would be something epic. And that crowd will go absolutely nuts if they get to see Jimmy D out there, um, even though we haven't been able to hear his voice for the majority of the season to see him as he continues his fight with leukemia. That would be something special for sure. You know, I, I've really kind of grown to like that tradition, the guitar, the guitar yeah. smash. Um, you know, at first I thought it was kind of hokey, but you know, every every week I I, I kind of seem to, you know, get uh, or every home game seem to get really excited and you know just wondering who who it's going to be. Just to see who that, yeah, like you said, just to see who they are. Like Phil, I don't think anybody expected Phil Taylor, but Phil Taylor's out there and the crowd goes nuts. Like, and Phil was obviously part of some of the the misfortunes of the Browns football, but you know, people seem to still love Big Phil and to see him go out there and smash a guitar and hype the dog pound up. I think I think that's cool, but. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was kind of hokey and kind of corny at first, but to see who they get to come out and do this, like whether it's been The Miz or Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, I feel like, did Francona do it once? Because I feel like he did too, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't think he did the guitar. Um, I know he was there the one yeah. of the last couple of home games, but yeah, whether it's a Browns legend or one of the Cleveland sports uh, fan favorites, like it's been pretty cool because it hypes the crowd up. Like they've had The Miz come out and do it or a Cavs legend like I think I think Booby Gibson did it the one week yeah yeah he almost this, fell, year, last year, he, this year he almost fell off the platform swinging that's that guitar. It, that's, <laughs> but yeah oh like J.R. Smith comes back and he's shirtless like the Browns seem to do that right like they get the game like the pregame and during the game entertainment right um and now they're starting to get the on-field product right too so but yeah it's I think Sunday's gonna be awesome even if Baltimore beats Cincinnati like Brown Steelers, they're both six and three. It's a meaningful game late in the season. Like it's still gonna be a raucous crowd on Sunday. Uh see, I had an idea for Sunday, but uh they're they're playing a home game against the Houston Rockets in LA. Uh that kind of idea kind of popped in my head. Uh you're I know exactly you're thinking LeBron, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, that uh, one that one kind of popped in my head. Um, you know, he could do it and fly out there in time still, but I, I doubt that the the team would let him do that. Um, if I if I had to guess, maybe Metcalf, you know, had those two thrilling punt returns yeah. uh, for a touchdown against the Steelers. Um, I think Bernie's done it this year already too. So um, Joe Thomas did it as well. Yep. Um, I don't think they would do a repeat person. So I, I, it'd be very interesting to see who they have do it. Uh, I'm, kind of, I'm hoping for Donovan. I feel like Jim Donovan being out there would really get the crowd fired up. I think so too. The only other person would be Nick Chubb, but uh, we know that he's, you know, recovering from surgery and everything and probably won't be able to make it. So, yeah. Um, and and that, that wouldn't be his style either. That That's just no. not, not who he is. Uh, <laughs> not at all. As a person. Uh, but uh, I know it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very exciting. You know, hopefully, and we'll probably, we'll, we'll talk about doing a preview pod. I'm sure we'll, try and get it in here within a couple of days uh, for everybody, but it's going to be a, a fun ride on, on Sunday, whether, you know, the Bengals beat the Ravens or not, you know, just to, you know, play Pittsburgh 
both of us six and three in a really good spot this year. Uh, it would go a long way for the Browns to win on Sunday and to, you know, keep on uh, stacking these win- wins. This is two in a row. Let's go for three in a row. Um, it'd be pretty significant for that to happen, especially with two West Coast games-ish uh, following that. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes on Sunday, and we'll be back to talk to you. But before we do wrap up, we do have one more uh, piece of business to attend to, and that is uh, the mayor of Dogland Pole for Sunday. We put out there as the options for the mayor to be Deshaun Watson uh, for his game that he had, Greg Newsom for the pick six, Miles Garrett uh, for those uh, two late sacks of Lamar Jackson. I think it was actually one and a half that he got credit for. And then the Browns offensive line, who did a phenomenal job despite being on their fourth and fifth offensive tackles uh, for the season. And uh, the Browns fans voted 41% Deshaun Watson, uh, 29% Miles Garrett, 20% the offensive line, and 10% for Greg Newsom. I had somebody else suggested for it, uh, but Jack uh, couldn't Whoops. read what I wrote, uh, and that was Dustin Hopkins. But uh, based on this poll, I voted for Deshaun. Uh, how about yourself? I went, and you know, I'll give credit to all the credit in the world to Deshaun. He was the he was the catalyst that helped us with the comeback win. But I went with the offensive line just because there was fear. I think in a lot of people that we did not know what to expect out of that offensive line on Sunday, you know, grade wise, they weren't the greatest, obviously, like some people did not grade out as well as we expected, but they played really well. And I go back to that play I mentioned uh, where they all, it was the epic Cleveland style tush push where it took all 10 guys to shot the entire dog pound to do it. the entire and the entire dog pound um, to get in there and, get Jerome Ford that first down to set him up for Dustin Hopkins game winning kick. But, you know, Jerron Christian coming out played really well, only allowed uh, three pressures, including a sack. Uh, James Hudson, he did okay. He gave up five pressures. He didn't give up any sacks, which is good. Um, But overall, I think the offensive line played really well. It was one of Wyatt Teller's better games this year. Uh, Joel Batonio is starting to get back onto that all pro level and Ethan Posick played a, uh, good also so i voted for the offensive line but it does not surprise me that deshaun won uh the mayor of dogland he had a phenomenal game uh overcame the rough start overcame the ankle injury so uh he he deserved it just as much as i think the offensive line did as well yeah and you know there were multiple plays like that uh i guess browns tush push kind of thing the cedric tillman block uh uh, (laughs) and of annoy um, the, uh, block that Wyatt Teller had was monstrous. Um, that you talked about the Njoku catch and run that he had. The Browns were just a lot more physical than the Baltimore Ravens. And I thought it was hilarious. Uh, at one point, uh, Jonathan Vilma on the broadcast called John Harbaugh, the Browns daddy. Uh, I think the, the Browns showed, uh, who, uh, was the daddy in that game on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Vilma. Play for the U. Say no more. I don't really want to talk about the hardballs right now because <laughs> one's one's a loser and one's a cheater. So that's just enough said. But yeah, I mean, to, for the Browns to go in there because they don't do it often. They've done it quite uh, s- several times in, in my Browns fandom. But to, to go into Baltimore, 
Baltimore punched you, but they came back with a counter punch and was able to come back and knock them out at the end. I mean, it, it's good to see because it, it it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, it, it tends to be special for sure for the Browns. And not only that uh, with Velma, but uh, I think he called Newsom a backup cornerback uh, about a half dozen times at least, um, which is definitely not true. So no. I, I feel like the, that crew uh, was not very good uh, on Sunday. That's uh, Well, I will least. say Kenny Albert were like undefeated because there's – I think it's the, cardi- it's the cardiac kids. Shout out, Sean. He, he tends to keep track of our record against uh, – with announcers. I think we're undefeated since 2018 when Kenny Albert calls one of our games. But, yeah, get him a better color guy than Jonathan Velma, who, yeah, just enough said about him. Like, well, I, well, he was really annoying on Sunday. I think I saw we have uh, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis uh, this week uh, yes. for the, the Steelers game. So I'm just, I'm just glad it's not Romo and Nance. Like, yeah. we're not good when they're calling our games. So, obviously, well, they'll have to call our games come January and hopefully February. but. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to uh, – let's stick with the rest of the crew on CBS and Fox because Romo and Nance can just stay off to the side, in my opinion. Yeah, you have to wonder if maybe, you know, a couple of these games later on could get flexed because they're, like, right at the window. You know, the Jaguars game uh, is a possibility with them being 6-3 and three as well. The Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud, uh, who's entered the MVP conversation uh, on Christmas Eve maybe could be yeah. one. Uh, you know, that they look to flex as well. So um, it, it'd be nice to maybe get a, a, a couple more primetime games. And, you know, the, the time and date uh, for the Bears and uh, or the time for the Bears game has been undecided. Same thing for the Bengals as well. Uh, the time has been undecided. So it's a possibility that that Bengals one uh, could definitely be a primetime game, especially if the Bengals need that to get into the playoffs or, if that's or, for like first place in the division, win, yeah. yeah, that that could be for the AFC North. Uh, yeah, kind of I mean, a winner gets in kind of thing. So yeah, but I don't trust the NFL to flex games because we've seen the Giants how many times on prime time. Like this is no offense to the Vikings and the Broncos fans, but like that Sunday night game, like would you rather see Brown Steelers or would you rather see Josh Dobbs versus Russell Wilson? Like right. Dobbs is playing out of his mind right now in Minnesota and I'm so happy for him because he's finally getting uh, the recognition he deserves but and the Broncos have won three in a row so but I mean I think people would like to see Cleveland versus Pittsburgh on prime time but I mean who knows I mean it's fine like we're gonna I think there's like you said there's some games down the stretch that could get flexed for sure but the Browns just need to focus on keep second wins at this point we're six and three Good opportunity to go seven and three. And then there, there's a good schedule here down the stretch where the Browns could definitely look to see double digit wins, but main focus is trying to go seven and three this week. Yeah. I mean, they got to go, they got to go 500 to hit uh double digit wins. So the rest of the season is definitely, definitely in reach with, you know, the teams that they play and, and whatnot. So uh, there's a good possibility for it. They just got to go out and take care of business. And it would be nice to see uh, them go on a nice uh, winning streak here because they have won four of the last five games. Um, I would like to see, you know, when maybe three, four, five in a row. Uh, that that would be a tremendous, especially with the huge division game this weekend. You know, we've already played four division games. We only have two left uh, with the Steelers this Sunday and then the Bengals at the end of the year. 
um, you know, the other, uh, I want to say it was uh, Baltimore and, or no, Pittsburgh and uh, the Bengals have only played like two at, at the moment. Um, so they still have a lot of divisional games to, to play still. But, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see that the Browns can get on a, a little winning streak here. But before we could talk about that, we got to take care of business on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. It's a good opportunity, too. I know uh, I think these players are going to be hungry after what happened week two on Monday night. Obviously, there was a lot of crazy stuff in that game. But um, oh, this team and that crowd at Cleveland Brown Stadium on Sunday is going to be rocking, and they're going to be ready to bring it to Pittsburgh. And I feel like they got one more big punch left that they didn't use in Baltimore to use on Pittsburgh for sure. Yeah, just as long as it's not a helmet punch or anything of that nature. Yeah, yeah, we definitely don't need that again. <laughs> um, all right. We might be back before the game on Sunday to give you guys a preview. We'll uh, we'll talk about that off the air. But until then, be sure to give Jack a follow on Twitter at JackMcCurry08. Be sure to give me a follow at Anthony Jokey. Be sure to follow the dog land on X, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, all of that uh, threads at the dog land handle. Uh, until next time, uh, as we get on out of here, remember, most importantly, go Browns.